Hi, I want to welcome you back to Leave the Swamp, where we talk about saving ourselves, personally and politically, from the insanity of the swamp. How do we do that? Through this beautiful word and ability that we all have, namely secession. Ooh, it's a dark and scary word that I guess over time, for whatever reason, and then we know the reason has been associated with the bad things. But in reality, the word just describes a simple act. <clears throat> it can be, like as I said, both personal and political. And that's just walking away, saying no more. I no longer will be ruled by you. I no longer acknowledge your authority. Authority. So we are parting ways, and now, really, truly, what ends up happening is that you you are now on the moral high ground because you say, by that act, so long as you you are truly walking away, going your own way, you know, essentially opting to live the live and let live life. If you will, then if anything negative happens, say conflict over that, meaning the person or the thing, the entity you're walking away from initiates conflict or aggression to prevent that from happening, well, that's all on them. You're the you have the moral high ground. They are the devil spawn for, for doing that. But that's what we talk about here on Leave the Swamp, the LTS podcast. And truly, you know, I was thinking about this and what what this this podcast, because of its subject matter, I'm venturing a guess that we can probably get on board on our side I, will, I hate to say it, but, like, uh, let's call it the 1%. You know, we're going to be the top 1%. That's truly what we are, folks like us that understand and agree that now's the time, actually it's past the time, to secede. Not only uh, politically, as I like to talk about here because I'm living in Texas, I'm actually driving right now. If you hear the uh, the background noise, which I'll try to block out as much as possible upon editing, uh, of course, I believe Texas sh- should secede immediately from the United States federal government, go its own way, be its own country, and uh, dictate its own future. I hope you agree as well. I mean, otherwise, I don't know why you'd be listening, but maybe you don't necessarily agree yet, but you're... There's that little seed that's been planted in your brain that you know that knows, yeah, that's what really needs to happen. But it's like subconscious. You know it to be true, but there's those chains, those mental chains around you <clears throat> that the mental chains around you that just hold you down to say, you know, I don't know. I don't, it just, could it be possible? We rely so much on 
on uh, the federal government for everything. You know, the you know, defense. Oh my God! You know, who do the interstate highways? Ah! You know, uh, things of that nature. Trust me. Answer. Quick answer. Spoiler. We'd be okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I get it. It's hard to come around. But you're listening to this podcast. You're listening to us here because you want that switch to be flipped. So thank you for staying on and listening and going down this journey with us. We need you. But along those lines, I want to get back to this idea of the 1%. I believe what we're doing here, I believe the goal here is to stoke the brush fire of rebellion and secession and like-minded people's uh, heads. You being, you know, one of them. Not necessarily light the brush fire. Because you probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't already lit. At least having a little ember. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. Um, so since you're here, what I want to do is stoke that ember. I want to throw some logs on the fire. I want to blow oxygen on that flame to get it to grow, to rise, you know, to to grow big so that that flame, your flame, can then engulf other, other people, like-minded people around you that perhaps haven't really thought about it or thought it was pointless or that there's no way it could happen. Those type people, they have a spark. It's already there. But their spark is the one that you need to put that... Uh, Put some of that newspaper on and stack some of those twigs on to start that little fire, to keep that fire and build it, build it for them. We're like the remnant, if you will, you know, but I say that's like the 2%. The 2% is really right now just the people that have the little, the little tiny ember and the little tiny flame burning right now. Now, ideally, to really make this a serious movement, we need to get up to probably 10% of folks to really, for things to really take notice. Now, what does that mean? What do those numbers mean? Well, in Texas, we have about 30 million people and a lot more moving here every day. So we need to get in front of this really fast before too many bad ideas are brought by Californians and New Yorkers and Oregonians and Washingtonians or whatever, you know, left coastians to Texas to really screw things up. Now, don't get me wrong. This message is for those folks, too, because you know, your agenda, we can debate your agenda versus the less government agenda all day long. I'd rather have that discussion in Austin, as I've said before, rather than in Washington, D.C., fighting against 49 other states. Right. So why don't we have that as Texans here? We'll have that discussion. So you guys are, you know, that look at yourselves as a. Uh, you know, leftists or far leftists. Number one, I don't know why you'd be moving here to get out of the left utopias of California and New York if that were the case. However, I'll make a, uh, I'll make a uh, exception and invite you over as friends, and we can talk about this stuff. You know, we can talk things over, and then we can have a final decision on it in Austin <clears throat> rather than Mordor, D.C. But anyway would really be good. So if we got the if we got 1% of folks, we, we stoke that little flame of 1% of folks, okay? 
let's see, 30 million, 30, that'd be 300,000 people. That's a, that's a little mini army. You know, I mean, that's a, at least a division, right? <laughs> if we stoked those flames and had those flames burning hot of 300,000 people, well, they can't help but probably influence, you know, having a hot flame of 300,000 hot flames probably can't help but influence 10 other people each. What does that get us? That's 3 million people. 3 million is 10% of 30 million, right? If we had 3 million people with at least lukewarm, well, 300,000 burning hot, white hot flames, and then another 2.7 million of, yeah, definitely, I'm, all, I'm, I'm long for it. I just, I may not have time to do much, but I'll mention it to everybody. I'll put a sticker on my car. I'll put a sticker on my cooler. I'll put a sign in my yard. I'll put a leave, leave flag on my flagpole. I'll put a leave sign in my yard, a leave sticker on my car. <clears throat> and I'll mention it to every, and I'll give, give them out to other folks. And hopefully they'll ask me what it means. And I'll say, we, what it means is we'd rather fight over our political differences in Austin than Mordor, D.C. That's, that's basically what it is. You know, let's, I, we just don't want Biden to tell us what to do or Kamala or Pelosi. You know, what we want is at least to have folks that we know that we can talk to, that we send to Austin and have those discussions here. Bottom line, bottom line. So you, the 1%, I'm going to call you listeners now the 1%, the highest of the high, the greatest of the greatest, the founders, the 1%. You You are the future. If anything is to change for the better, it's up to you, to us, to spread that word. Spread that word to grow, to grow this belief, this movement. Now, this this broadcast, I really kind of look at it as truly being, in a good way, an echo chamber. <laughs> because... Folks listening to this are, as I said, probably already convinced that secession is the way to go, whether politically or definitely, probably at least personally. You know, you got to get your affairs in order as much as you possibly can. You know, at home to help protect you, protect yourself and your family, make you as anti-fragile as possible for the bad things that are coming on the pike that have been set in motion by the federal government over the past how many odd years not just federal government i mean the state and other governments are have room to blame as well because they allowed it to happen but we can't affect the federal government this movement can affect local and state governments so yes the key here the people listening you know we are the echo chamber this is where you come to reinforce your reinforce your belief get new New powder, new gunpowder to use on the on the trail when talking to folks about the uh, secession movement, the leave movement. Uh, the leave movement is one of secession. The leave movement is one of 
taking back control over your own life and debating issues over about that will affect your life with your friends and families and colleagues rather than nameless bureaucrats living in Washington, D.C. that have no idea. They've never even been to Texas, probably, a lot of them. And then those bureaucrats that moved to D.C. that are from Texas, well, I wouldn't say I have no hope for them, but I would say they're lost. They need to be brought back, not physically, but maybe mentally need to be brought back to the fold at some point or discarded, you know, if they're too far gone. Hope that's not you. But yes, this is the echo chamber. The, the LTS podcast and broadcast is the echo chamber for the 1%. This is where we hone our skills and refine our our arguments, refine our essentially refine our battle plan. This is where we create, define, and refine our battle plan. Here is the LTS podcast for the one percent, the echo chamber of the one percent. Think of it as this is our war room, if you will, and that's really what it would be. You know, maybe. A rhetorical war room, a war, rhetorical war, but in any war, you need a war room, and that's what this, that's what the LTS podcast is, is, is that. What's beautiful is, it seems like now we're not necessarily fighting completely uphill against the tide, it seems that this whole, uh, yes, and I'm going to use the word scamdemic. You know, there may be a lot of you out there that are still scared of what's going on, but I would just implore you to take five minutes out of your day to take a step back, look at the statistics, even using the government doctored FDA or CDC death statistics. People who are most vulnerable to this disease are those with so-called comorbidities, morbidly obese, bad diabetes, this thing, and really, really old people that are already past the average age of living. That doesn't mean to sound cold, but that's just what it is. Normal, more or less, regular, uh, younger than 60 healthy people, that whole age group, basically, or cohort, as they say now, you know, you have a 0.01% chance of dying from, or really using their statistics, with COVID, okay? 0.01%. Okay? Let that sink in. All this stuff that went on and all this government tyranny that they're still trying to do is from 0.01% chance. You have more percent chance of dying from driving on the highway as I'm doing right now than COVID. Okay. I'm driving on I-35 heading to Austin. The belly of the beast of Texas. You know, and I have a better chance of dying than from COVID. Now, if you get COVID, listen, think about this. You have a 1% chance of dying. So they did all this stuff, and we rolled over like wet dog, uh, whip dogs, peed ourselves because of t- statistics like that. Now, don't get me wrong. At the beginning, you know, I was uh, like everybody else, but you know, pretty pretty soon. I mean, into <clears throat> into May at least, 
we really started seeing and questioning and wondering, you know, is this, is this really like that big a deal? So anyway, I implore you to look th- look at that because that is a microcosm or a, a metaphor or an example of what governments in their death throes, which is what the federal government is go is going through, they're about to start going through right now. They will pull out every trick in the book to make sure that we are still essentially enslaved to them. You know, that they these politicians still to ensure they still have control over our lives. They'll pull out every trick, they'll make every false flag, they'll We'll have every little tiny bug that comes around. Oh no, it's a new pandemic. Just don't believe anything. When a politician's lips move, they're lying. Don't believe what they say. I think, once again, I have a, I have a feeling that in the war room here, the war room echo chamber that I'm kind of speak, preaching to the choir, or the 1%, the choir, the 1%. Yeah, I'll probably get that, but I had to get it on record. Anyway, but again, I'd rather have the conversation and the fight over what should be done about it. I mean, it should be way down to the local, of course, or to the individual. I mean, obviously, any health matter should be an individual choice. But at least I'd rather do state than dealing with any federal thing, you know, having to deal with some arbitrary diktat from you know, the elected emperor in Mordor, you know, like Biden, the elected emperor, saying OSHA needs to do a order, you know, forcing experimental gene therapy uh, injections into all employees for companies of over 100 employees, which doesn't make any fracking sense on, on its face. A lot of stuff about this doesn't make sense. But anyway, yesterday... Evidently, the a, uh, a federal court knocked it down, knocked down the order. Now, here, here's the problem we get into here with states and whatnot, you know, suing federal government in matters like this. It's putting it, giving the, they are saying, okay, we're going to make an argument, but we're going to put the decision in the hands of a court, okay? Namely, a federal court in this instance. That's very dangerous. Because if you, you can look through the history of the federal court system of the absolutely horrendous and terrible decisions that have been made by uh, lower courts and the Supreme Court helping to uh, uh, legitimize the evisceration of any constitutional restraint on government, that you know, putting your hands and faith into one of these courts making a proper decision Essentially, what that means is I'm going to play your game. You know, the question is, would these governors who are all high and mighty and against you know this mandate and everything, what if the court had said no, it's okay? Would they have backed down and gone along with it, or would they have fought back again? But then, if they fought back, then it's like, well, why'd you deal with the courts if you're not going to accept their decision? No. Would any would any governor with waivers? What any governor that had any spine should have done the second that was announced, the second Biden gave that speech, the second he gave that speech, 
they should have gone on, and here's what I would have done. If I was governor of Texas, at the end of the speech, I would have called a press conference, and I would have just, you know, just quick, five minutes, got on, and I would have said, after listening to the, the president's speech tonight, it's been made clear to me that the federal government has no longer, as, as if we didn't know, has any respect for any private property rights or personal private property rights. They don't think you own your body. They don't think owners of companies own their companies. They think they could tell all of us what to do at all times. And I am sitting here telling you, no, they cannot. Hence, when, if and when a OSHA mandate comes out that states any employer, period, I don't care what size of the company, must or is required to have their employees injected with the experimental gene therapy inoculation, or any anything of any kind no matter what it is that will not be allowed in the state of Texas period we're not going to sue to prevent it we're not going to appeal to any federal authority to knock this order down I am saying as governor we are not going to sanction that at all it's not going to happen it's not going to happen here I'm calling on preemptively calling on requesting all sheriffs sheriff departments and I will be if the order is announced I will be uh, activating the Texas Guard National Guard or State Guard to defend any employer who refuses or who any employer that continues with the status quo and doesn't mess with requiring uh, any kind of inoculation of any kind. We will defend these employers in Texas. The federal government will not intrude upon private property in Texas in this instance. Now, I do acknowledge that there are many, many other areas where the federal government violates your private property rights. We'll be addressing those in the future. That is all. I'll take questions. And then, of course, the inevitable first question will be, aren't you endangering all people by not going along with this order? And I'd say, no. What I'm saying is, the state will prevent the federal government, central government out of Mordor, D.C., to enforce any mandate such as this. If an employer wants to do it on their own, they're free to do that. That's that's what they want to do. Now, maybe they'll gain more employers, employees because they want to work in an environment like that. But then again, maybe they'll lose a lot of employees because they don't want to work in an environment like that. That's going to be a decision that each individual employer will have to make. And they'll be free to do that because it's their business. It's their property. That's it. Bam. Ching. Boom.
you know, each individual makes their own decision about their health. In a free society, that's how it works. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Next question. Yeah, so hi, I'm, I'm a Legal Doodle Deagle from the uh, Daily Beagle. Uh, question. What happens if we know you said you're going to call on the sheriffs and uh, the National Guard to help defend businesses in this instance? What happens if Biden, uh, the president, what happens if uh, President Biden uh, sends down federal officers to enforce the rule? What happens if he if he sicks the IRS or the the OCC or the banking to freeze accounts if this doesn't happen? What will happen then? What will you do? Well, as governor, <clears throat> to me, and I don't know, I don't believe I'd be using this word you know, too extreme. If the federal government were to do that, I don't see how anyone else could look at it any other way as an, an act of war against the people of Texas. So how would we respond to that act of war? We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see how far they're willing to go. But one thing I would uh, caution people on or remind people about is the federal government in relation to the states is very is small in the sense of the amount of people that it has to enforce regulations. It really relies upon local governments, you know, city, townships, cities, states, counties, to really enforce federal laws and regulations. Otherwise, they would never be enforced. So I'll leave you with that in that perhaps we just stop enforcing their laws. See what happens then. But along those lines, maybe it is time for the state of Texas to at least have its own backup financial system. We'll be talking more about that another time. Any other questions? So at this point, all the upshare reporters will have you know, dumb donkey questions. <clears throat> nothing worth, nothing responding to will make a difference. So. End of press conference, and then, man, talk about the uh, <laughs> the fallout from that. Got to be great, because then you know the White House would be uh, asked all about this the next day, and God, they'd be freaking out. But anyway, but you, as the the one percent, sure, I know if I heard the governor say that, I would be drooling and laughing my arse off because. The, the bureaucrats and the statists that are in power, their heads would be exploding. <clears throat> I mean, if their heads explode with what the Governor DeSantis in Florida says, which is just common sense of what should be said, it's not that anything extreme, I mean, their whole bodies would, would uh, spontaneously combust if a, governor, governor, if a governor of Texas said those things. And it would be glorious to see. And you'd see all your your 
uh, rhetorical and philosophical enemies in Texas come out of the woodworks because they'll be the ones on a bunch of these idiots on Twitter denouncing it, you know, in the uh, fake universe of Twitter. <clears throat> but anyway, that's that that's what would be beautiful. But I appreciate you guys, you one percent, staying with me. Let's you know keep. Uh, Blowing oxygen on, putting sticks, putting twigs on that little fire that's brewing in your mind. Let's stoke that fire. Let's get to that 300. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be the 300. Let's get to that. Let's get that 300 and then let's make that three mil. Okay. And once we're there, we have a real chance at true secession and take it back at least part, partial control of our lives. It's a worthy goal. Why else? What's it, what else is the point of living you know, if you don't have something to fight for? You know? So this, this one, uh, this broadcast was a lot about, I guess, more from the political side of things. I'll talk more about, you know, what are other ways you can do personally, not, not necessarily in lieu of, your political thoughts and activism or whatever, but in parallel with. Even if you don't do the political stuff, you everyone must do the personal stuff. You know, that's key. That's like foundation. The personal is foundation. And then move on to the political. You, know, you talk about it with folks. Plant, uh, plant that spark with folks, the political spark. But work hard at the personal things, and we'll get on. We'll get into that. What what you can do uh, next time around that. So I want to thank you, you uh, you one percenter, you three hundred three hundred k out there. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. We got the ten year plan. Year one has begun. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>